Welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday late morning. Is it safe finally to record a podcast and let it live for a few hours before it posts? Is it finally safe? That jinx has just been applied. Um, as we are now into mid-late July, I guess late July is late July. We are um, starting this week, dropping down to once a week uh, until the season ramps back up. Sorry, but uh, that's the way it's going to go. Um, some people in this podcast have some things on their schedule. I won't say what they are, but, you know, if they want to say that's fine. Joining us from New York City is Tim Bontemps. Hello, Brian. Hello, McMahon. Joining us from Dallas, Texas is Band McMahon. Howdy, partners. Um, so yesterday, uh, Bontemps was uh, part of the story that um, Adrian Wojnarowski reported about James Harden um, agreeing, you know, formally agreeing to his new contract. Him agreeing to the contract wasn't a surprise. We never thought he was leaving Philly. Um, him taking a pay cut was not a surprise. We knew that when he opted out of his $47 million uh, player option that he did almost a month ago, a little under a month ago. Um, but Bontemps... Go over the dynamics of the contract, and, and we're going to take a look at what this means for him and the Sixers. All right, so uh, interesting deal on a couple of fronts. First of all, that James Harden took, as you said, a $14 million pay cut this year from roughly from where he was going to be originally. That is why the Sixers were able to sign his old pals, P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, and continue to form uh, Rockets Northeast uh, with Tad Brown and Daryl Morey. On top of that, the fact it's only a one-year deal or with a player option for a second year is also interesting. Um, you know, James Harden certainly is hoping to be better this year than he was last or this coming year than he was last season. We'll see if that's going to be the case. We'll get into that. If he gets back to playing as an MVP caliber guy, he can opt out, presumably get a bunch more money next summer. If things go disastrously badly, presumably he could opt out, maybe go somewhere else. But, you know, to me, this gives them a little bit of flexibility on both sides. And the other thing that's interesting about it is we've sort of been waiting for James Harden to sign this deal in the first place, right? Like this has basically been agreed to for weeks. So to me, signing it now is an indication that the Sixers are done for business for now and that they're, you know, any attempts they were going to have to try to rework this roster further are probably not going to happen because I, it seemed like they were waiting to do this until they At knew least they on had at least on a major scale. Right. Before right. There the could, season. Right. There could be something minor. But in terms of like, you know, significantly reworking the roster, um, I, I think to me, this is a sign that the Sixers are done with business until the fall. And generally, this is what their team is going to look like. Yeah. And the reason that you're saying that is that, so obviously if you use the full mid-level exception, which is about $10 million, that's what they used to sign PJ Tucker. Once you use that, you enact the hard cap. You can only go a certain amount of money over the tax line, and then you can't spend roughly six million, roughly six million dollars. Right. So if James Harden had opted into that forty-seven million dollar contract, or even had signed a new contract that was in the ballpark of the forty-seven million, the Sixers would not have been able to use that full ten million dollar uh, non-taxpayer mid-level. They would have been reduced using the six million dollar level, and we know that PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm had a lot of different suitors all offering him that $10 million. And that what ended up getting, I think, in addition to the fact he wanted to come play with James Harden again, um, I think, you know, he also got, I believe a um, 
player option on the third year, but all three years are guaranteed if he wants it. But he had to get that $10 million. So for the Sixers to get into that position, Harden had to drop that salary down. It also opened him up to signing Daniel House to the other exception, the biannual exception. And they made a trade on draft night. You know, Danny Green's salary was not fully guaranteed. They did trade Danny Green to get the Anthony Melton, but um, Danny Green would have been, you know, probably waived had he just stayed on the roster. Well, maybe they could have traded him later, but that, but that actually, I would say him taking that pay cut, McMahon, actually enabled um, the, the Sixers to add three players. You could make the case that he mm-hmm. allowed them to add three players, or at least three players of that quality. No, for those, I think definitely. You, yeah. When you look at the math, it, it definitely allowed him to get Melton, too. So the reason he waited, real quick before I go to you, McMahon, the reason that Harden was waiting, and um, he gave an interview to Chris Haynes at Yahoo earlier this week where he essentially said this, where he said, just give me what's left. If the Sixers would have made another trade, if they would have done a trade with Tobias Harris, for example, that reduced their salary further, like let's say they traded Tobias Harris for two players that made $4 million less than Tobias did, um, whatever that trade might have been, um, then they could have given that extra $4 million to Harden. And so that's what, really what Harden was waiting for. So it looks like there's no trade to come. There's, their payroll is going to stay where it is. So they were able to slot Harden in and get him assigned. So, McMahon, let me ask you this. Knowing Daryl Morey and James Harden, as you do, because you covered them in Houston, um, do you think this was Daryl going to James and saying, hey, help, let's make a deal here. Help me restock this team from the depth that we lost when we traded for you and help me rebuild your value? Uh, Or was this Philly saying, look, James, we're not giving you a max. Uh, no matter what, let's do something that makes all of us look good instead of a max, which would make all of us look bad. I mean, I, I, I definitely think it was Daryl and James discussing the situation. And, you know, I'll take James at, at his word at the end of the season when he said he will he would do what he needed to do to give the, the Sixers a chance to position themselves to win a championship because we heard it and then we saw it. Now, I don't know if Daryl's saying, and then we'll rebuild your value because I don't think James Harden's looking at this as his, you know, you heard what he, or you read what he said to, to Chris Haynes. Yeah, anybody else puts up these numbers near triple double. They're a max player. Everybody's mad at me, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think it was about, hey, James, we can rebuild your value. I think it was more, uh, hey, James, you'll get taken care of. Take a step back financially this year, you know, take a $14 million haircut or beard cut this year <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll get your, 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 you know, you know how much we know how much you love PJ Tucker. That's not only one of your favorite teammates. That's one of your best friends. We can get PJ. Hey, you know, Daniel house jr. Can, can play off of you and how that fits. We can get him. You know, Melton is another with, with Melton and, and how suddenly your bench just got a lot more athletic. Um, and, you know, I'm sure there's some sort of a, understanding that, hey, that player option, you opt out, you'll, you'll get your max. I, I do believe this is a one-year, $14 million uh, discount and that he'll, he'll, get his, you know, he'll get his max after this. But, hey, James Harden did what he said he would do. And I was among many who, when he said it, doubted it. He did it. And then they were able to get three pieces 
um, who all have significant playoff experience. I, I, I think are two are proven to be really good fits with Harden. I think Melton is proven to be a a good fit playing off a off of a ball dominant superstar. And I don't think there's any doubt that because Harden was willing to take less, that the Sixers are significantly better than they were at the end of last season. How much better are they, Buntemps? It's a really good question. I mean, I think they're definitely better. I mean, to McMahon's point, you know, whenever I talked about the Sixers on the pod and we talked about them really after the trade until they lost to Miami, what did we keep saying? They have no athleticism. They can't guard anybody on the perimeter. They're, they struggle to rebound, right? Like all these areas, they didn't have much toughness. All these mm-hmm. areas they've addressed in a pretty significant way with these signings this offseason. Now, at the same time, Milwaukee made a bet two years ago that P.J. Tucker couldn't repeat what he did then. Miami would have liked to bring P.J. Tucker back. He also had a better year than even I think the Heat could have reasonably expected him to have last season. It's a pretty huge bet by the Sixers to have P.J. Tucker on a three-year deal with a player option on the third year at 40 years old. I have a feeling mm. he's probably going to pick that up. Uh, <laughs> you think? <laughs> if he doesn't, then they're going to be thrilled because they'll be playing out of his mind by then um, still. I'm curious so, how many 40-year-olds have ever had a player option. Not many. God. Not many. It's a he, short list. He might be the first. I don't know. Yeah, he might be. Um, so, you know... I, I'm very curious to see what P.J. Tucker looks like. If he is the guy, if he's anywhere close to what he was last year in particular with Miami, they got a lot better with him and DeAnthony Melton. And we'll see about Daniel House. If he plays like he did in Houston or in Utah, I should say, last year, where he was really good the second half of the year for the Jazz, that's another big pickup too. But there's some risk with both of those guys. So I think they're better. I think the better question is, are they good enough to truly get out of the East? I still think they're a bit of a step below the other competition at the top of the conference. And what's the biggest question about whether they're good enough to get out of the East? Well, what's, you know, what's what, you know, Harden can't say I'm, you know, I'm still a 22, 10 and seven guy. That, that can't be it. He's got to be a dominating player. Right. That's the thing. When they made that trade, it was about getting two of the top, you know, fill in the blank, but it's a single digit blank players in the NBA. James Harden can't be, well, is he a candidate for third team all NBA? No, he has to be. And I'm not saying he's got to, you know, he doesn't have to score 36, but he's got to be an absolutely dominant yeah. player. Um, you know, indeed, if healthy, you can count on him holding up his end of that bargain. You know, you can, he's, he's been MVP runner up the last couple of years. You know, he's, he's that type of player. But if Harden's the 18th, 20th, 22nd best player in the league, that's probably not going to be good enough. And, you know, we can talk, well, oh, you know, it, it's been the hamstring, man. You know, fa- father time uh, w- with some help in, in terms of lifestyle is is tough to combat. So, you know, but I will believe James Harden is, is back to being one of the very best players in the NBA when he proves that. Now, well, I would I- believe he'd take a discount when he proved that. And right. you know, we, we've seen that. But uh, that was a choice. This other stuff is not necessarily. I mean, he had, his work ethic has can can influence it. But you know that aging process, man. Sometimes you just can't you can't hit it in reverse. 
Well, and, and look, to me, it's not about the numbers, right? Like James Harden could average 22, 10 and seven again next year and be an MVP candidate. Like that's to me, not, it's not, he's going to put up numbers no matter what he looks like. Um, you know, the question is, can he get back to the guy he was before he hurt that hamstring in mid-March of 2021 in Brooklyn? Because those first two months in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. he was a point guard for the for the Nets. He was setting everybody up. He was playing as well as literally anybody in the NBA and looked awesome. And ever since he hurt that hamstring, he hasn't had the same burst. He has not looked like the same player. And to your point, McMahon, it's a guy that's a borderline third-team All-NBA guard, and that is not the guy that the Sixers sat at a press conference in mm -hmm. February and trumpeted as the guy who was going to bring them championships to Philadelphia, which you all beat. He needs to be a top 10 guy in the league again. Now, if he can do that to your point, some of this other stuff with PJ Tucker, that stuff sort of falls in the background. Conversely, if James Harden isn't that guy, that stuff falls in the background because it, it, it all, it really just comes down to him in the end. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, James is committed to working out this summer. James is committed to being in shape this summer, all this kind of stuff. Well, as you said, in, in May, I was at that press conference at the end of game six. I asked him that question. He gave the answer that, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. Some people were like, I, you know, people weren't sure he'd take less money. He did take less money. Now let's see if he can get himself back in that kind of prime shape. Because, you know, the, the claim has been I couldn't get I couldn't get my body right last summer. I was catching up all season long. All the stuff was going on with the trade, new team, et cetera. All those excuses are out the window. He's had a whole offseason to work out. He's healthy. You know, all the indications are he's healthy. Whole offseason to work out. Whole offseason to get ready. Let's see what version of this guy shows up. Because there might not be a bigger question in the East, at least, than if James Harden is going to be a top 5 to 10 player or a top 18 to 25 player. Because that could be the thing that swings a ton of things. So let me so let me just look. Let's, let's go back 12 months and think about where the Sixers were. Actually, it was... A year ago this week that the Bucks won the title. Um, so obviously a little bit off on the calendar, but um, the Ben Simmons problem was in their face. I don't know if hmm. Ben was days away from basically saying he wasn't showing up to camp. Um, Danny Green was, you know, they had resigned him, but that was like their quite their big offseason move. That wasn't much to improve the roster. Tyrese Maxey was an interesting player coming off a couple of things in his rookie year, but you didn't really know what he was going to become. Uh, and B was coming off for MVP runner up a year later. They've, they've got Simmons off the roster and they are, and now James Harden is making about the same money that Ben Simmons was making. Mm -hmm. I mean, that maneuver just alone <laughs> hats off. Now, granted that maneuver became possible because Harden didn't play great, but that's not a bad maneuver. If you'd have fast forwarded a year ago and said even, that they even would, the, even if even with Harden not playing great, it's still hard to argue a maneuver from Philly's standpoint. Uh, pretty pretty remarkable, right? Yeah. Maxi, who they've guard who they guarded in trade talks. Remember, they refused to mm -hmm. give him up for Kyle Lowry, mm -hmm. and we wondered what that would have led to in the playoffs in 2021. Maxi now looks like <clears throat> he's a foundational piece going forward. Embiid mm -hmm. is looking like he's in the middle of his prime. Um and yeah, they lost a couple of supporting pieces, specifically uh, Seth Curry. Mm -hmm. um, they had the unfortunate injury to, to Danny Green that, you know, it was just, you know, I don't even know what Danny would have given him this year. I don't even know if he'd been on the roster, but obviously the injury is terrible luck. But you look at what they've done. They've moved the ball down the field. Daryl Morey mm -hmm. has moved the ball down the field. Now, 
12 months from now, if he's like got an ax hanging over his head and has to give Harden 200 million and he has another sort of average season, then we have a different discussion. But considering the hand that he was holding a year ago, I think they've done a pretty functional job. And then today, Bonteps, you had another story involving the Sixers in a big moment for them. What was that? Yeah, so really since David Blitzer and Josh Harris bought the team 10 or 11 years ago, they've been trying to get a new arena. Um, they don't, they're not happy being in Wells Fargo Center in Philly. Uh, it's sort of a hilarious inside baseball thing. If you get any press releases from the Sixers or if you go to a Sixers game, McMahon, I know you were in Philly last year, so you noticed this. They just say the center on stuff. They don't say Wells Fargo Center because they have all these disputes with the arena on various things. And the biggest thing is they're a tenant in the arena. It's a Flyers arena. It's also an old dumpy arena at this point. It's one of the worst yep. in the league, but they don't have control of it. And so they have announced today that Thursday that they're going to try to build an arena right downtown in Center City in Philly, which, you know, there'd been rumblings about this for a couple of years. And they've had other failed projects fall through over the past couple of years. They tried to build different places, got shot down. And there'd been some rumblings they might try to do this thing in Center City. I didn't really see how they could pull it off. I'm still curious to see if they can pull it off. But, you know, Josh Harris and David Blitzer have a ton of money. They've got sports teams all over the world. To McMahon's point, if they need to pay James Harden a max next summer, they got the ability to pay James Harden a max next summer on top of what they're doing. And, you know, these guys going forward are trying to, you know, re-energize this team and, they, you know, Tad Brown, who was with with Daryl Moore and James Harden in Houston. It's not a coincidence to me that he brought up the Chase Center in San Francisco multiple times when I talked to him for this story. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Philly doesn't have the same exact economic base that San Francisco does, but these guys are looking at what the Warriors have. And a lot of teams, I think, in markets like Philly and New York and these places are looking at what the Warriors have and saying, hey, we have control of our building and we could generate a ton of money that's going to be a huge win for us. So it's a long way to go. They're not going to be in it for nine years. Who knows what's going to happen over yeah, the next I mean, nine years? I've never but... heard of an arena that's nine being announced. that's nine years away. Well, I think well, Harden will be picking up his, uh, his $88 million <laughs> player option for well, the, the real 31, 32. Well, the real question is Udonis has is will Udonis Haslam still be getting a check from the Miami heat nine years from now? I think that's probably a check. Will he still be getting a uniform? Well, I, yeah. I meant well. a player. I meant a subsidized <laughs> by the league check. Um, so yes, so I, I think the Sixers have, are moving in a positive direction. The question is, is it a positive enough to materially change the balance of power in the East? Um, and I just don't know if we have that answer. Uh, I think Again, it really comes down all, to, you know, ahead. do you believe, do you believe in Harden? I mean, yep. all the other stuff is sort of ancillary, it's all secondary. Right? It's all secondary. How good no, is James they, Harden? Tell me that yeah. answer. I'll tell you how good the Sixers are. They have positioned themselves to where if James Harden is some version of Houston, or like you said, even early the Brooklyn, Brooklyn one, James Harden. Right. Can he be, he, can he yeah, be Brooklyn right. James Harden before he got hurt? And, it, and if question. he can be and, and Embiid is healthy, they're absolutely a championship contender. If he's the guy who we saw huffing and puffing and you know trying to avoid the ball in the, in the playoff series against the Heat, then that's probably about as far as they go. Well, it also depends on what happens with, with Maxi and whether Maxi takes another so, jump. 
well, yeah, I mean, is Maxi headed towards being a max player after this year? I mean, Maxi is going to be highly motivated to um, have a big year. And what what is his role next to Maxi? Um, so, I mean, you know, that's another thing I'm going to be watching. I don't know what Maxi's ceiling is. He's a really good player. I don't know if he's a star. Um, well, and, and you know. again, if you're if you're rolling out in the playoffs with James Harden and Tyrese Maxi as your starting backcourt, that's got some issues at the other end too. Like that's that's not well. What's one of the reasons exactly why they went all out to stalwart? It's one of the reasons why they went all out to get Tucker so he could handle some of the big wings in theory. Yes, right. and and House, and then right. uh, DeAnthony Melton can you know he's he's a good defensive guard. I'm not saying he's you know, Gary Payton, uh, the first or second, but he's a good <laughs> defensive guard. Right. I, I tell um, you what though, man, Maxi, Maxi is your number three option with the arrow pointing up. I think is, is pretty encouraging. I'm looking at his numbers from last year, you know, 17 and a half points per game, basically 49, 43, 87 shooting splits. That's, that's pretty impressive stuff for a guy who is, uh, was what? 21 years old. And so often, it's obviously not an ironclad rule. There's a thousand, well, a hundred different, um, you know, guys you could point to where this isn't always the case. But so often in the NBA, your third year defines who you are as going to player. Okay, we knew in Luca's first year is pretty good. We knew right. in, uh, you know, LeBron's first year is pretty good. We knew in, <laughs> you know, in uh, Anthony Bennett's first year that was might be troublesome. <laughs> You know, sometimes some, some things are more clear cut, but we often see guys hit uh, to the turbo in year three, which is one of the reasons why year three is the is the you know the defining year for a lot of guys in their careers and whether how they're going to get paid. Um, but that's um, that's good. That's going to be a question for Maxi. All right, before we move on, McMahon, it's trivia time. Oh, brought to you by CarMax online. Or on the lot with home delivery in select markets. That means center stage comes Timothy Bontemps. I have a I have a Donovan Mitchell trivia question again. I know we did one a couple weeks ago at Big Band. Might have been last week. I don't remember. Might have been on the pod that disappeared. Uh, but I thought we might talk about him at some point. So I had one ready. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has averaged 20 points in each of his first five seasons. Ooh. Who is the last guard to do that? Last guard averaged 20 in each of his first five seasons. That's a tough one. Guard. Still active, I assume. That was a troll yes. for a hint. Yes. <laughs> He's giving Still us active? a stone face. Stone, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> Why would I give I'm you any so hints? I'm so bad. Sure. That sounds like a yes. Uh, don't tell me it's. Hmm. 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 And this is going to, is it Kyrie? It's not Kyrie. Hmm. Really McMahon. This is about who would have averaged 20 points in his first year. It is not right. an active player. I was way, I will get, it's wait not Jordan. Is it? It's not Jordan. It's Allen Iverson. Ah, I threw you off a little bit by saying Donovan Mitchell. I had a, it was a Sixers related question. If I'd said ah. it was Sixers related, you would have had it. Allen right. Iverson, first guy since Allen Iverson. Donovan. You got to think about who, because not that many guys average twenty as a rookie. Hard to score twenty bit, as a rookie. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit. It's a little bit easier today than it was when Iverson did it because the game was played much slower back then. Um, uh, also, the last time the Sixers made the conference finals, two thousand one. Hmm. Can they do it again? Hmm. You think you like to think that they could, but 
I'm not betting on it. Hey, man, you got to go through the best player on the planet, and then you got to go through the Celtics at minimum. That's not easy. Yeah, and, you know, we still don't even know where the balance of power is in the East. We got, you know, two, you know, one of the best players in the league is obviously on the trade block. I mean. Well, even if they're healthy, to me, the, the, the Nets, the, the Celtics and Bucks right now are clearly yeah. one and two. And then there's a close group after that with Brooklyn and Philly and Miami. But like those teams Toronto's all have real, those Toronto could be interesting, too. But those teams all have real questions like. Hey, also, also those Knicks. And I'm just saying that open that if we kiss their butt enough, they might actually take questions from the media at some point. <laughs> yeah, well. Someday somebody will have to answer questions. I will guarantee you with that. It, um, it won't be Leon Rose. Well, some somebody's gonna have to answer questions from somebody. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, the thing about pro sports, and this is cruel at times, but um your results are plainly on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, you can debate in other professions. Uh, in this profession, your results are on the page. So Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. I want to talk a little bit about probably one of the more interesting stories for me of the last year. And I don't know if it was purposely done in news dump fashion, um, but it came out late last Friday night and the NBA is, you know, summer league is wrapped. Football season is starting. We're in full swing vacation season. So I just don't know if it has gotten quite the reaction that uh, I think it should. But Thad Fauche's statement to Adrian Wojnarowski about his breakup with Russell Westbrook was remarkable. Um, The only time I can remember, and it's not a complete record, my memory is flawed. You guys can step in. But the only time I remember an agent publicly by putting out a statement when he was separating with the player where the agent spoke first, maybe there were times where there was a split and then the agent would maybe give a quote if it was a high profile split, but where the agent like came out in a statement fashion was back in 2004 when SFX, which was a powerhouse agency at the time run by Arn Tellum fired Carlos Boozer as a client when Boozer 
had sort of a wink wink deal with the Cavs uh, that, you know, it depends on who you believe. I think both sides were guilty to a certain extent. I'm not going to rip open an old wound there in my life, but where Boozer left. Was anything said, was anything said when Marcus Morris went from the, I think it was the Spurs, the Knicks a couple of years ago. That was, that was sort of a, that was sort of a similar situation. Yes, but nowhere near as high profile. So in in the Boozer case, I don't want to get into too big of details. The Cavs thought he was coming back on a contract, but it was against the rules to have him agree to it. And then free agency opened and he was like, oh, actually, I'm going to the Jazz. And it was for $25 million or something, $28 million more than the Cavs could pay. The rules were different at the time. They didn't have full bird rights. And the agency put out a statement saying, we're done with Carlos Boozer which was stunning because Boozer was about to sign a $70 million deal that they were going to collect a commission on. And also you could argue that it was great agenting, that they were able to get him out of his Cavs deal. Um, his agent, just as long as we complete the history lesson, his agent, Boozer's agent was a young agent up and coming named Rob Palinka. Mm-hmm. Um, Palinka ended up leaving that agency as a, as a result of this and took Kobe Bryant with him. The rest is largely history. But my point is, it's been, in my view, 18 years since I've seen something like this. Thad Fauche, not only splitting with a player of 14 years, it's a little bit rare for a star player of Westbrook's caliber to have the same agent for this long. It does happen. Um, So him leaving Thad was surprising, but agents and players change literally almost weekly in the NBA. And even star players change their agents with some frequency. Uh, I mean, how many different agents has Kevin Durant had? He's had, I think, four or five agents, and nobody and would say that. Partner, right? No one would say. And by the way, Rob Palinka was Durant's agent for about fifteen minutes at one point, so nobody would say that it's shocking. But the statement that he made, and in the statement, he says that he has advised Russell to take the offer that Darvin Ham has made him which is a starting role where he is in the starting lineup, but he is a role player, right? He is not going to be the centerpiece of the offense. They are not going to run the offense through him. He is advising him not to seek a trade for a fourth consecutive off season. Um, and then he says they have irreconcilable differences in their splitting. He never said that Westbrook wants a trade. He never said that Westbrook doesn't want to be on the Lakers. But he did say you can read between the lines. Yes, he did say, I think he should take what's, what's on the table right now. And we have irreconcilable differences. Well, so, and, and, and basically, listen, what, what you're having here is, is a guy who's been Russ's agent for 14 years saying, I can't reason with him. So how are the Lakers going to? Right. And think about, first off, Hundreds of millions of dollars that Thad negotiated for Russ and millions of dollars that Thad himself made mm-hmm. off of Russ. This is a very lucrative partnership. And of course, Russell Westbrook isn't, this will be his last $40 million a year. But we see this all the time. Just because, you know, if you have a longstanding agent, just because the money is drying up doesn't mean the agent's going to care about you less. I don't think Thad Fauche, he, he's, his reputation is not to abandon guys. I think he truly... As a, he's a longtime veteran agent. I don't know how long he's been around, over 25 years probably. 
Bontemps, like, so my question, so, and by the way, Russ is looking for another agent. I mean, I'm not going to say who I've heard he's going to hire, but like, he's not going to represent himself. He's looking at other big name agents. Um, so Bontemps, here's my question. What is, what is Russ's new agent, assuming he hires one, going to be tasked to do that Dad Fauché wouldn't? Well, yeah. I mean, to me, I'm less concerned about Thad and Russ because, like you said, this happens all the time. I, I think the thing that's interesting to me is not on blast. Well, not that's fine. I don't yeah, even, not, even not, still, not with a multi-paragraph. But even uh, still, statement. set that set that aside because that that's that's not really what's important. What's important is what you asked at the end. What's next for Russell Westbrook? Right. I think you can make a good case. If Russell Westbrook is not on the Lakers at the start of this season, I think you make a good argument he's never going to play in the NBA again. Because I think if you look around, I see McMahon making faces, but if you look around, where is Russell Westbrook going to go that somebody wants him to be around? Because to this point in his career, it's it's always been Russ running the show, right? Mm -hmm. It's the Russ show. We saw that in Houston. He's with James Harden. They have to remake the team to make it work around Russ. He's in Washington. They have to remake the team to work around Bradley Beal. Obviously, that was always the case in OKC when he was a superstar player. But now we saw what happened last year with the Lakers. We on the pod all agreed the second that trade was made, it was a disastrous fit. Certainly played out that way. And so you you look at that situation now. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, sure. He could maybe be a role player on the Lakers. That would go against everything Russell Westbrook has ever said in his career and acted in his career where it's always been, I've turned myself into a superstar player. I was a recruit nobody heard of. I, through sheer force of will and talent, turned myself into a first ballot Hall of Fame player. I don't need to listen to anybody else. I'm going to do, you know, this whole thing. I, now I do what that? I want. Thing. Can I make a quick comment about that? Yep. He went to UCLA was the fourth pick. That's well, not an underdog. When he went to UCLA, John Morant went to Murray State. That that sir is an underdog. Well, right, but he but went to when, UCLA as, as an under the radar recruit. Like it's not was, like he had a choice between okay. UCLA, Kentucky, and Duke, and you know. Okay. He was not expected to be a lottery pick when he went to UCLA. He was a fair. He was fair. a he was a, a an interesting recruiting prospect that wasn't seen as a future NBA star. That within it's, it's, twelve it's just, months, it just, it just you know sometimes it's like it reminds me of like when LeBron won the title in Cleveland. And granted, he's in the throes of the moment. And he says to Doris Burke, I don't know why the man upstairs had to make everything so hard for me. Well, I'm like, I, I would not. Okay. No. I, I'm I would say, not like, everybody, compare. everybody has their struggle, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, I just want to go crazy on the struggle of going to UCLA and being the fourth. <laughs> sure. He was, <laughs> he was like a three or four star recruit and he was a stunning pick at the fourth pick. So I, again, I, it's not the same as LeBron saying, why is it, why has life been so hard for me? I, it's just, I just, it's just, I know it's, it has to do with more. Everybody thinks they've got a struggle is my point. Okay. I, the, this man was not an underdog. He's the, one of the greatest athletes the world has ever seen. Just, okay. Sorry. The point, the point is Westbrook through, through his whole time in basketball has always been wired to do things his way and not anybody else's way. Much like Allen Iverson, as I've said a bunch of times on the pod, he reminds me a ton of Allen Iverson. What happened at the end when Allen Iverson started to go off the cliff? He went off the cliff in a minute and was gone out the door. Yep. And again, look around the league. Let's say Russ gets a buyout 
or he gets traded somewhere. Let's like say he gets traded. Let's, you know, whatever. He gets traded to some rebuilding team that's, you know, part of a salary dump and the Lakers get players back. Um, even if the Kyrie trade happens, like he's not going to be on the Nets. So, all right, Russ is bought out. He's a free agent. Who wants to deal with Russell Westbrook right now? Who wants so, to deal with a high volume, high turnover, no defense backup guard? Who's going to so be I, a problem to deal with? I hear everything you're saying, and and I agree with it. The only reason I kind of like, mm, I was uh, I was having dinner uh, before a game last year, so we're you know sitting in the media room, and it, and it's me and like I think it was like four or five scouts, and I asked basically that question like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, if Russ got bought out, like, would there even be any interest in him? And two scouts, scouts from two different teams. Shot their hands and we'd be interested now, obviously, at a drastically reduced price. Um, so that's the only reason I hesitate to say to, to fully agree with you. Now, I w- I'm not going to say the teams, but both sure. of those teams have since uh added guys who they probably consider their the point guards of their of their future, but you know, I just to to say he would be out of the NBA, I think there would be somebody who would be interested in selling tickets, and I, I still think that that people will pay money to go watch Russ play. Well, I and, when Bontemps says the word never, I don't agree with the word never, but I think Bontemps, your statement is reasonable because this, I think, is probably the point that Thad Fauche is making, without putting words into his mouth. He's he he said in the statement. I think if he gets traded, there's a decent chance he'll be bought out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he should do that. And he's not saying because he doesn't want to deal with the, with the negotiations or, you know, he, he, Thad Fauche probably has a pretty good idea of what the marketplace might be. Well, I would and, step back from saying never though. I, I mean, I would not say that. I mean, listen, it's a fair point by McMahon. And that's why I said, I think you could see it. Cause look, if you're making the minimum, you could see somebody take a chance on a flyer, see how it goes. You know, Allen did have a couple cups of coffee. You know, he came back to Philly for a brief minute. He was in Memphis for a second, like literally <laughs> for, a second. for, for right. three games. I don't, I don't think for he three games, game three barbecue Memphis. lunches. Right. I know he did. He did not play yeah, a game. Yeah, he in didn't. Memphis. He didn't play a game. <laughs> so so maybe maybe a situation like that happens. But look, Carmelo Anthony spent a year and a half basically in the wilderness before he got another chance. Right. Mm-hmm. And you could say a lot of things about Carmelo, but. He's a, a bigger player. He's a better shooter. He's right. a much better fit as a role player. And he always was a more malleable guy in terms of like, you know, being in the locker room, dealing with the media, all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. than Russ, who is not easy to deal with. So, you know, like the only way you can have Russ on the court and have any chance of being successful is if you have the ball in his hands whenever he's out there. I just don't think there's many teams that are going to say, we want to have Russ out here with the ball. And if you do that, say you bring him in and have him play 12, 13 minutes, backup as a backup guard off the bench, give you a little bit of pop offense, right? Is Russell Westbrook going to actually accept doing that? So I, I, was, I don't I, know. I was talking to somebody who was with the Lakers last season and, and they were saying that, if there's a if there's a person in the organization that could that could that Russ could listen to, they tried to talk to him. Yeah. Everybody so I I don't 
you know, I don't want to say specifically point any and say for sure anything happened, but well, it was said to me that everybody, you know, and just to point out, Carmelo was on the Lakers last year. I don't yeah. know what, sure what was said, but. Well, you could see Carmelo in media interviews would sort of, he wouldn't quite say it, but he would sort of allude to his situation and be like, I had to mm-hmm. adjust my game. I had to readjust my expectations. I had to right. you know, have so, a new perspective. Like he was sort so of saying it without saying it. So f- from what I'm told, like just about everybody there who Russ would, allow an audience for i'm not saying that austin reeves was coming up putting his arm around him and going hey russ um, hey man when i was growing up in arkansas <laughs> i think if i think if the if the conversation started out as mr westbrook i'm not sure that that's how it would that's the ideal candidate so that all happened and darvin ham came in and like if it wasn't his first order of business it was in the top three mm-hmm. he began reasoning with russ and not only was he reasoning with Russ privately in ways he has made public, but he has been incredibly supportive of him publicly. Like I can't to the imagine. point of being mocked. I mean, let's Agreed. be honest, which, which is Agreed. fine. I think sometimes coaches have to be willing to be mocked to get their point across. And for sure, you know. especially if you're not Pat Riley mm-hmm. or, you know, or, uh, you know, somebody with, Phil Jackson, you know, but who even are, still, know. what has Darvin Ham been saying? He's been saying things like this guy has to play defense. He has you to know, has to get role. back to playing championship defense. Yeah. Like he's been saying stuff that like, yes, if but, Russ wants to my have point a role is, in the NBA, this my, is the kind of stuff he needs to try to do again. My point is that they have been over backwards. Even the brand new coach is bending over backwards here. And we still have what looks like this you know, coming tension. So like, 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 like if you'd asked me before this Thad Fauche breakup, if you'd asked me a week ago, what is going to be the the pinch point with Russell Westbrook this year? I would have said 10 days into the regular season when this idea, you know, after the, after the, the preseason where they looked at it and the regular season, and there was like six games where it was clear Westbrook was only playing 25 minutes only getting seven shots and, you know, being told to stand in the corner on, you know, two thirds of the play calls that were happening. That was where I thought the pinch point was going to be. Uh, but I was willing to allow for the possibility, you know, because there was, if you, if you pulled the, the weeds back, you could find a little gem in there and he did shoot 45% on corner threes and, you know, on half an attempt to- a game. I, know, I was going to say, but, I think it was four of nine. <laughs> I know, but it's like, I didn't want to slam and bolt the door that it was impossible that this could possibly work. I thought it was highly unlikely, but I wanted to allow for McMahon the man. And I slammed and bolted the door. We, okay. we felt well, good. I'm about not going to, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but I thought, I thought probably within the first few weeks of the season that this would go off the rails. Mm. Now it looks like, it might go off the rails soon. Actually, you might even, you could even argue that it might even behoove the Lakers if it goes off the rails now, because that way you don't quote unquote waste time in training camp. Well, here's the, here's the, here's the question. Are the Lakers better off just telling them if they can't get a trade, let's say that, let's say the nets. I mean, I think we all agree right now, the net situation is going to be status quo for a while, right? No, we, we all agree. No, yeah. no KD trade, no Kyrie trade. Are the Lakers better off saying, hey, Russ, just stay at home. Stay away from the team. Direct We're deposit's going to play. Work. What's that? 
Your direct deposit will still work. Your direct deposit is going to work. You're going to get paid. And we're going to wait and see how things go. And if we can make a deal down the road to move you somewhere, we will. Otherwise, we're going to wait and see what happens. Are the Lakers better off with him at home or in uniform? Well, they're better off with him at home if he's not going to try to play the role that Darvin Ham is saying is what's available to him. As I just said, are they better off with him at home or in uniform? Yeah, basically, are they are they better off asking Russ to chill or asking him to be Bruce Brown? Because I think you I think you can argue they're better off with him at home because he's not going to be Bruce Brown. I, I I completely agree with what you're saying. And the, you know, the fact that him and LeBron sat in opposite corners at the summer league and made not even eye contact. I mean, woof. If if that's yeah, and understanding that every eye you know, every camera, every eye in the building was on them. Like if you're not even willing to pretend, pretend. to be somewhat cordial, uh, good luck training camp. Let me, yeah, let and me as speak the season to that. Goes. That, that same night, Leon Rose and Wes Wesley, Leon Rose, the president of the Knicks, Wes, mm-hmm. I can't remember what Wes's title is, is vice president. High ranking yeah, Knicks executive, former yeah. CAA, Grand Pooba. Knicks, they Knicks came recruiter. O- Next recruiter, they, West, William Wesley. They came over to LeBron. I believe Dave McMenamin captured the video. If it wasn't Dave, I'm sorry. And Le- LeBron was, Leon and LeBron, Leon was LeBron's agent for years. Mm-hmm. Wes was one of his closer friends slash advisors for years. But they had a very, very uh, permanent break in about 2012, 10 years ago. And they really don't communicate at all. Um, uh, Rich Paul was with CAA with Leon Rose. He left Leon Rose, took clients with him, started Clutch Sports. There is scar tissue. There is Boku mm-hmm. scar tissue there. Um, but when they came over at the arena, Le- LeBron, you know, you know, he's had good experience with them in the past. They had a uh, they had a moment. Now they did not go out to dinner afterwards. I'll tell you that. And I don't foresee any dinners in the short term future. I can't predict what will happen in 10 years, but mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're friends. I don't think they're going to be friends. I don't think they have been friendly, but in the moment, LeBron said, hello, how you doing? Uh, good luck to you. Uh, how's your family? Great. Take care. See you later. And that didn't happen even with his teammate. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> you're talking about night. scar tissue versus blood still spilling. I'm, that's my point. My point <laughs> yes. is, is on a night when LeBron was in a good mood and taking audience with even folks he's had bad blood with, he wouldn't. There wouldn't. It wasn't even well. With, with and, and 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 they approached him, right? And so I wasn't there. I was basically. I I, I think that's true. But I was. My there. understanding is LeBron was sitting in his little baseline seat and was kind of you know, sitting on the throne and people would come over. <laughs> Everybody did thing. come over. Yes. Kurt well, Rambis, uh, Rob Palenka, they all came over. Right. And so Russ ain't approaching the throne, right? <laughs> you, do, you you see what I'm saying? So we can talk. And that's the right. thing about like, it, it gets right back to Russ as this defense first, you know, dirty work, move the ball role player. That's not who Russell Westbrook is. That's not who he wants to be. That's not who he considers himself to be. Whether realistically that's the only way he can continue to extend his career and be relevant in the NBA or not, 
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. Well, real quick, before we go. He he is MVP Russell Westbrook and always will be in his mind. Before we go, is there a team, you know, I have asked this question to some executives out there. Is there a team out there? Let's forget about the circumstances of how he would become a free agent, whether he would be traded and cut or get a buyout from the Lakers or whatever. I've asked some executives, where could he possibly fit? I've only gotten a couple of lukewarm answers. And if you, I'm not defending these answers, you can knock them right down. And I'm not going to push back. One of them I was told was Dallas. Like on the roster? (laughs) They lost Brunson, you know. Uh, You think he, uh, like I said, knock it down, buddy. I'm not saying there's an answer. I, I, uh, so you guys told me that you, you heard that and I checked in. I got a very quick hell no. Okay. Um, and here's the thing. Like, could I see the logic of if the Lakers were willing to come off of a pick or both the picks? No, 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 no. I'm not talking it, about a trade. I'm talking about he's a free agent. Oh, no, 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 no. All right. You're, talking about, you're talking about taking a swing on it to get out of some long-term money. And then well, I'm, if it I'm doesn't work, about- it doesn't work. I'm talking I'm about about, where is there a team where they could they no, could I say know. we need Russell Westbrook? I know. I'm I was saying about, McMahon's point yeah. was if they could take Russ, Russ's expiring contract, get a pick, and get out of some money, maybe they take a swing on it. Sure, but that's not what you're right. describing, Brian. And 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 so even then, I was told hell no. Um, the idea of Russ being on the roster uh, next to the most ball dominant player in the NBA, Luka Doncic, and also okay. remember Mark Cuban. Uh, back when it was Russ and KD their last year, remember when he created all those ways by saying Russell Westbrook is not a superstar? <laughs> oh, I remember. Well, he's not now. Um, well, the, other team, <laughs> the other team that was floated to me as, you know, not that they would have interest, just to be 100% clear for aggregation purposes. This is just like, where could mm-hmm. we possibly see him fitting? Was maybe Minnesota. <sighs> I, I don't like that fit either. I mean, I don't contempt. I don't like any of these fits. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're anywhere. I don't think he fits anywhere. Yes. Frankly. You've been clear. Yeah. You think he might never but play I, in the league again. I, I mean, I was just, I was just saying like, I was, yeah. I mean, it. I, let the I Ant-Man, can, let the Ant-Man cook. 
Well, but the Ant Man cook. True. The Ant Man, Katniss, ball in his hands. You know, D'Angelo. Uh, obviously, well, Russell. I would. Assume we're talking would be about backup roles scenario. here. We're talking about backup roles here. And but the problem with Russ is a backup man. God, you like this is well, not the point. That was the thing we had with Iverson. Iverson refused the the concept. Yeah, this Iverson. is this is. Yeah, this ain't Vince Carter who's going to kind of, you know, gracefully accept being <laughs> this is definitely a, not a reserve. <laughs> no, I mean, and look, and Russ has got a lot of this. I mean, I don't know if anybody has the same cultural cachet as Allen, but it, it he's very mm-hmm. similar in everything about him from his approach on the court to his cachet within the NBA fan base to sort of the iconic nature with which he carries himself, all that stuff. And I, it's just hard to look at him and not see it end in the exact same way. So, so typically, what when is you a, see what, a, what's the nickname of the team in what's the nickname of the team in Beijing? The Ducks. Uh, I think uh, Beijing Ducks could use them. Um. So the thing about it is, when you see a veteran like this, you know, not even like this, but sometimes when you see a veteran get released, you say, "Well, where where are his long term connections? What's his?" What's his network? Because sometimes you see, oh, yeah, he's going back to his old coach. He's going back to his old team. He's going back to his old GM. But Westbrook has been a journeyman. Well, his long-term connections are Oklahoma City. and But that's not the, happening now. Yeah, he's the complete antithesis of the direction right. that they're going. And they, they it looks like their rebuilding project is really progressing well. Right. I mean, by they the way, would, by they the would way, love to have tr- him attend games. They would honor him, but they're not having him on their team right now. Yeah, I was, at Russell Westbrook's, I was at oh. Russell Westbrook's uh, ceremony to announce his signing of a Supermax extension in 2017, five years ago. This is ago. the contract that's, that's if, if he gets traded again, this, Supermax. if he gets traded this again this offseason, he will literally have been on a different team each year. He was on the Supermax contract. That that is a remarkable thing. And then you talk about like connections, like unfortunately for us, there's a lot of burn bridges. There's not connections. Like That's obviously the KD thing went down in flames. You know, the partnership with Harden, like they might be still be buddies, but like as far as being teammates, that was a a, a, a one year thing, and both of them couldn't wait to get the hell out of Dodge. So I'm saying, where's the life no part of them? The Wizards. I mean, like just, there's not one. Where's just the don't life see it. Yeah, you think you think Billy Donovan's hoping to sign up again for for more <laughs> Russ? I mean, come on. I mean, if I mean, in all seriousness, if if a team like the Kings didn't have De'Aaron Fox and right. the Kings who just want to win forty games, like maybe I could see a, the Kings who are just desperate to get in the playoffs or get in the playing tournament. Because if you put Russ on that team and you give him the ball all the time, he could put up numbers and maybe get you to. 35 wins or so like he did in Washington the year before, Mm -hmm. but like there's just very, especially, and that's the thing about Russ, like this year you have all these teams. They're trying to be God awful to get either Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Anderson in the draft. So like there's very few teams that are like, Hey, we're trying to get to the eighth seed. And that that's sort of like, you need to find a a spot where he's going to play a lot of minutes and have the ball and a team's trying to win 40 games. There's just not very many of those yeah. at this point. And 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 the Knicks had always kind of been 
mentioned in, in the Russ conversation, well, they just paid Brunson $104 million. Right, they want to trade and for Donovan Mitchell. Trade, yeah, so like right. that makes zero sense at this point. Yep. Hey, maybe the Lakers can trade him for KD. <laughs> it's uh, it's just, I mean, this is a thing. Like this, it's dry. It's a dry field right now. So, uh, all right, we'll see how that happens. It's going to be interesting to see uh, what Russ's move is. I mean, maybe he, maybe he doesn't make a move. Maybe he hires an agent. And then just comes to camp and tries to make it work, but the, the 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 statement implied that that's not what his intention was. So we'll see. Um, I'd like to know what agent's going to come in there and you know present him a strategy that that um, maybe they know that Thad Fauche doesn't, or that you know that the Lakers don't, or that we don't. Well, let, let me ask you this: that works. Are, are the Lakers should they be willing to part with the pick? To, to get off of, of Russ? Only if it improves their roster a lot. You're not you're not just going to... I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, if it's a bad deal and it's got one year left on it, you just eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can if you can make your team a serious contender, I mean, that's the real thing that Jeannie Buss has to grapple with. I don't think that Jeannie Buss is against improving her team this year, but she's got to... If she's going to give up first-round picks that are going to... Um, hamper the Lakers into the future. She's got to believe that the trade gives them a chance this year to compete for the whole thing. And, you know, she apparently hasn't gotten there yet. Whatever is, is, is buddy healed good enough for something like that? No, I don't think so. Hard. No. I mean, and buddy healed's fine. I mean, you, they should have traded for buddy healed last summer instead of Russell Westbrook, which is a yes. whole other conversation. Another Rob Plinka, former client, but, um, but when you look at the the Lakers, you, Brian hit it on the head. If I'm trading picks, if I'm the Lakers, I'm only doing that if it makes me a legitimate championship contending team. For all of Kyrie's issues, if they turn Russ into Kyrie, mm-hmm. then give up the picks to me because that gives you a chance to win a championship that they otherwise don't have. All these other moves, whether it's, you know, it, obviously if they could do Buddy Heald for like Kendrick Nunn and, uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, and they don't have to give up picks. Like, okay, that's that's one thing. But like, if you're giving up first round picks for role players on this team, that is, I think we all agree, pretty strongly in the mix to make it out of the play in tournament, not to make it to the conference finals. Buddy Heald's not changing your trajectory with that. But would LeBron make eye contact with Buddy Heald if he saw him at Summer League? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, the other thing is, and Bontemps has been talking about this, is that the Lakers, especially if LeBron doesn't extend his contract, which if, if he doesn't extend it, it doesn't necessarily mean he's walking because it could be part of a strategy. But when Russ comes off the books and if LeBron comes off the books, they're going to have 60 or $70 million in cap space. Mm-hmm. And they will have their pick next year. Not that that pick is potentially going to be um, incredible. It might uh, be number eight overall. But well, and by the way, yeah. who's going to be a free agent next summer? Kyrie Irving. Like, if you're just if they're like if they're interested in signing, if trading for the guy, in theory, they could sign him and not give up a pick next spring. Right. I'm just saying, like they could they could use the pick on draft night next year. I mean, sure. The hand that they're holding to improve their roster next year is actually going to be pretty good. The problem with that is you got to tell that to 37 year old LeBron. And well, LeBron and has a contract situation. So, what's in it for LeBron to extend now? 
as I was saying, like there, there's this extension thing coming in August, September. I mean, it doesn't have to happen in August. I mean, it could happen June 25th, 2023. He can extend mm-hmm. all the way into next year. Um, I don't, you know, LeBron doesn't need the financial security. No. So well, I mean, could we see LeBron do what James Harden did. Exactly. Or Chris Paul, although right? the Suns didn't exactly immediately spend the money the way that's the shocker. Sixers did. But, you know, that wouldn't, so like, that's a, that is a viable strategy for the Lakers to save their, their, their powder, keep their powder dry for next year. Sure. But that's just a hard strategy to sell to a 37 year old LeBron, but it could be, it's like the thing with the Nets, like the Nets trying to make it work with Kyrie and Durant again, I don't think will work because mm-hmm. I think that that's proven that it's not going to work, but out of the options that they have at the moment, I can see why that's the the, it's the, the only good that, option they have right now. That could be the same thing with the Lakers. The only good option that they have, the, the best of their options is to save it. Mm-hmm. Um, so why that Westbrook trade was just so completely disastrous. It just, it, it just was so, it was so, so bad to give up three or four rotation players and a first to make that trade. was just, just a devastating trade for them. How how many teams have made devastating rust trades now? That's at least two. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, all right. Uh, I will uh talk to you guys later. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Bontemps and Mr. McMahon. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our producers. Hope your summers are going well. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash hoop.